to Pendleton. I'm WSB's Mark Aaron. The WSB 24-hour breaking news center is on alert. With immediate breaking news, severe weather alerts, traffic red alerts from Cobb to Cherokee, Carroll to Gwinnett, Fulton to Forsyth, and all the rest. All the rest. WSB. WSB. Depend on it. Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Live from the Hill, our very own Jamie Dupree with the latest news from D.C. All right, the most connected man in Washington, D.C. I've been waiting ever since I saw this poll to bring it up to you. You know why? Uh, Why is that, Sean? Because last week you mocked me. Last week (laughs) you made fun of me. Last week you excoriated me. Last week... I don't think I did any of that, but yes. Well, um, there's a little bit of hyperbole here, but why are you ruining my good story? So last week I said to Jamie Dupree on this program, hey, Jamie, but you got to look at Bernie Sanders doubled his 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 approval rating from four to eight, from four to eight percent. And he said, yeah, really? Come on. And you were kind of making a little fun of me like it was an irrelevant point. And I said, well, anyone would like to take four dollars and turn it into eight bucks or four hundred and and turn it into eight hundred. Well, there's a new poll out today. Wisconsin Democrats, a straw poll. There's a straw poll that was done over the weekend. Right. Forty nine percent Clinton. 41% 41% Sanders, and I'm just you know, waiting for your pithy reply to... Well, I, I'm not going to be pithy. I was just talking about it with a colleague of mine up here in the press gallery, and, you know, while I, I still think that a lot of people look at Bernie Sanders as a long shot, the one thing that Hillary Clinton does not want is for one of those, you know, either Sanders or Martin O'Malley to catch fire, you know, and, and sort of get a grassroots excitement about being sort of anybody but Hillary. You know what I mean, Sean? And so far, I don't think Martin O'Malley has touched that rail of excitement. But Bernie Sanders seems to have drawn a lot of people. And we talked about this last week, how he had had a, uh, a good response so far at his events in Iowa. And, you know, maybe he's that kind of person who sparks a real lot of uh, interest and personal interest and people really like him, that it can throw a little scare into the Clinton people or at least make her run more actively than just sort of think that this is a... Uh, Uh, a coronation more than anything else in the Democratic Party. I personally think that Democrats are beginning to panic. You've been seeing more and more articles about it. Uh, There's never a day now that goes by. There's a good piece by Fred Barnes. He calls it the coming Democratic panic. And he he pointed out the polls of Hillary. Yeah, she's leading Rand Paul by one and leading Marco by three and Scott Walker by three. Um, But that was not the case just a month ago. A month ago, it was double digits pretty much against everybody. Yeah, And you'd have to think that for the Democrats... In this situation, it wouldn't matter which party it is. When you're sort of locked in on one person already in June of the year before the the election, right. you know, it'd be one thing if we we're talking about this one year from today, June of 2016, if you've got a nominee at that point in time. But there is that you just sort of get that. Uh, I remember years and years ago, I dated a girl for a little while, and we, we stuck around, and became friends. And she would talk about Why are you guys. Talking she, about your old girlfriend. No, listen. She would talk about this. I always thought this was a great line. She'd talk about how I'd say, "Well, what about this guy?" You went out with him, and she said, "I don't know. I just have this vague, lingering sense of dissatisfaction." And we'd laugh about that. And I, I sort of look at sometimes political candidates the same way. That, you know, voters might in the end on the Democratic side, if Hillary Clinton is the nominee, they'll go vote for her. But it won't be the excitement that maybe they felt in voting for Barack Obama uh, eight years earlier. There's no way she can generate the type of excitement Obama did. I mean, look at last week. I mean, I told the story about she spoke at a, a, you know, three quarters empty arena. 
They, yep, they, and they, I think you'll get those. Remember, those kind of stories sort of uh, were after Mitt Romney as well, when he did not really excite the base. And I think you could see some of those with Hillary Clinton. Now, the question is right now, can Bernie Sanders or maybe another candidate on the Democratic side really make it into a race? Or is it like we sometimes get accused of in, in the news media with hurricanes, wish casting? Are we wishing that there's going to be a race here? And then in the end, there really isn't one. Listen, um, I think she's got major problems. Let me give you two stories that came out today. One was in the Washington Free Beacon, the other in the Daily Mail. In the Free Beacon, latest installment, of the, I'll call it the Clinton Bribery Chronicles, you find out today that in 2008, when the New York Times decided to endorse Hillary Clinton for president, that was the same year she gave the New York Times charity $100,000. I mean, it just reeks of pay-to-play in every aspect of their lives. You no, know, in this, in the sort of the sense of with the Clinton Foundation, this uh, somebody wrote a piece over the weekend. I remember who it was, and and referred to it in a sense as guilt by association. And I do think it is a problem. I mean, look, the last couple months now have been filled with a steady drumbeat of stories about the Clinton Foundation. Nobody can realistically assert that the major news media has ignored any stories or not looked at it. I mean, there have been a ton of stories about it, and there continue to be more. And that you know, you look at that two ways: either she gets inoculated against it, or it starts to take hold as sort of a uh, you know, a, a feeling, a, a drumbeat of things that's out there, and then it just gets piled onto later. But yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't think it's it's killed her in any way, but it certainly doesn't help. Well, right and now. she tried this this weekend with the comments about the the voting laws in the country and having a voter ID, and every Republican, starting with Rick Perry on down, just pounded on her. Uh, well, I see a few minutes ago that uh, the Republicans were were jabbing at the Clinton people because they were saying, "Well, you need an ID to get into Hillary Clinton events." Why I, I not mean, to go vote? I, I, honestly, doesn't that? I went. I made this point many times. I saw that on Twitter a few minutes ago for somebody. Yeah, yeah. If you go to the D, if you go to the DNC convention where you will be and I will be uh, next year, um, you're going to need a photo ID to get in the building. So if you need a photo ID to get into a building with a bunch of high-profile Democrats, I would think you need a photo ID to vote. So when we look at her at her speech last week on voting rights and and voting access, to me, it, it I think it's more it should be looked at more probably, Sean, as an effort to fire up her supporters and to send them the message that she's fighting for them on those issues. Is she really going to change anything right now in terms of that or change any Republican minds? I'm not so sure. I see Scott Walker this afternoon tweeted something that this is quoting him once again. Hillary Clinton is far out of touch. Pulling out a photo ID is a perfectly logical and common sense thing to do. And I think for a lot of Republicans, that is the answer for a lot of Democrats. Democrats on Election Day, it is not. What do you know about Vince Haley? I mean, he's getting one conservative after another to endorse him. Newt Gingrich, Ted Cruz has endorsed him. This is a guy running for the Virginia Senate. Uh, I don't know if you've been following it, but um, it seems that he has gotten a ton of national attention. Is he viewed by many as a rising national star? Well, he's, it's, it's, for, uh, it's for a low, uh, state Senate district, if right. I remember correctly, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so we're having in Virginia, I think. I want to say it's, uh, is it tomorrow? Uh, the, no. the primaries uh, in the state of Virginia for just the state Senate. This is not a U.S. Senate race. And, you know, from time to time, there are people that sort of get on the radar screen of yeah. the national parties. And, yeah, you've seen it. The re I mean, it's been the last couple of months. I, I think you can go back to late last year and early this year that people have been talking up Vince Haley. I've never met him. I don't really know anything more about him other than what I've seen. But I do think it's interesting that when you have national type of personalities getting involved in a state senate or a state house race it's either one of two things either they're looking to build a, upon that person for the future in that state or there really is something there that uh, that everybody's jumping on unbelievable well we're going to see uh, listen i think the republican party needs strong conservatives like him and uh, they need a d deep bench as we can now see the democrats don't have a particularly deep bench and i think that is 
impacting them in this presidential race. All right, let's go to this G7 summit. The The president said again, if you remember, I made a big deal about this, what, some 10 months ago when the president said that uh, we don't have a strategy yet when it comes to ISIS. All right, you would think in 10 months they would have a strategy put together, but the president said today that we don't have a complete strategy yet. He said, uh, his full quote, we don't have a complete strategy because it requires commitments on the part of the Iraqis as well about how recruitment takes place, how training takes place, and the details of that are not yet worked out. So what he was talking about was the, the need to equip and train Iraqi forces to get them a focused strategy and good leadership and get them out in the field against these Islamic State units. You can look at that two ways. Okay, it's taken a little while to do this. Then you can look at it a different way and say, what do you mean it's taken so long to do this? Now, I haven't seen a lot of Republicans jump on this yet. I think people are headed back here, and once they say it sort of sinks in, we'll probably see a little more. But, you know, there is this broader kind of feeling, I think, in Republican circles that the U.S. is just sort of not trying as hard as it should and not bringing as much energy and men and materiel to bear against the Islamic State, that airstrikes and drone strikes are fine, but that there needs to be a lot more. And, you know, the, uh, I, I think the one thing that uh, the Democrats keep pushing back and the White House keeps pushing back is saying, well, that's just the Republicans talking. They want to start another war in Iraq. And the president's been very clear that he doesn't want to send any more U.S. troops, ground troops over there. So, yes, I mean, those are his words today, that that part of the strategy to better equip and better train and get those Iraqis out there to fight the Islamic State, that obviously there's still a lot of work that has not been finished on that. But, but I keep going back to a point I have made, and I know the media has been fixated on asking Republicans, uh, knowing what we know now, should we ever have gone to Iraq? And I think that's the wrong question. I think the sure, right I think a lot of Republicans would ask the question, knowing what we know now, should we have pulled U.S. forces out of Iraq? Well, it's I funny because I ran into a guy this weekend, who uh, a friend of mine, who is a big Democrat, and he was exactly harping on that first question. And so I sort of had a little fun with him. I said, well, what about the issue of of uh, pulling out troops and and you can see he didn't like that and so yeah you're gonna I think you're gonna see both parties try as hard as they can to frame the debate the way they want to frame it when it comes to Iraq well I keep goes back to a point I've made many times that if we would have kept intelligence forces on the ground for the Iraqi troops and training forces on the ground Mosul to create Fallujah and Ramadi would not have fallen into the hands of ISIS. But because we have now politicized not only this war, but Vietnam, we now have Americans going to fight, bleed, and die for wars and for land that we're all too willing to just give, give up after they win it. And, you know, and we've talked a lot about the, the vote, a possible vote on the authorization of the use of military force against the Islamic State. The president sent one up. The Republicans said they felt it was too limited. There hasn't been any votes on it. We might actually, because there's a big defense policy bill on the floor of the Senate this week, if we have the open amendment process that we should have up here, it is possible, actually, that the, there may be a vote forced by, I, th I think it's uh, Tim Kaine, the Democratic senator of Virginia, and Jeff Flake of Arizona, the Republican, who might try to push a three-year authorization against the Islamic State uh, as an amendment. We'll just have to see what happens with that. Yeah. All right. So what else uh, we hear from the G7 summit? Oh, that's right. We're hearing a lot about climate change and global warming because they certainly can't build a consensus even at this late date on how to deal with ISIS. But global warming is right at the top of the list. Yep. The president did mention that today. He was also asked a number of questions by U.S. reporters. Uh, he said he still doesn't believe that the health law case that's now before the U.S. Supreme Court on the government subsidies, that that should even be at the U.S. Supreme yeah, Court. Because he's, he's going to lose. 
He said he's still convinced his immigration plans are constitutional. Obviously, those are on hold. But that, uh, but that uh, contradicts, that even contradicts his own statements. It's ridiculous. As of now, uh, there, in speaking of the U.S. Supreme Court today, we did not have any of the big decisions on either gay marriage or the, the health law. There was only one decision uh, issued today. There's still 20 left, right. which looking at the calendar, they don't come back again until the 15th. So I bet we'll be around until later in the month on that. So what do you expect? Explain the rollout process for everybody. For the Supreme Court, what they usually do is uh, we'll have n we will have no more rulings the rest of this week. We'll have some next Monday, the 15th. I bet you they add maybe a decision day on a Thursday, either the 18th or the 25th, and then they'll just keep whittling them down. I sort of figure that uh, we might get into the week of uh, G uh, June 29th, and they save usually the, the most controversial rulings until right at the end. And I would think that the... The, the health law and the gay marriage case might be the final two that they, you know, they might not do them on the same day, but they could well be the last two of this year's term. Yeah, I would think so as well. And uh, have you ever been to the Supreme Court when they give out the decisions? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's it's sort of hard to describe. Just imagine a big marble hallway in a government-type office building, and there's a big line Just, outside. Wait a minute. Imagine the DMV. Go ahead. <laughs> a big line of uh, people outside. There's also the press room is right there. They bring in a uh, just a regular sort of box. Like if you're asked to uh, vacate the premises of your office or something like that, but it's filled with all kinds of papers, and they just hand them out to the reporters. And the reporters run right back into the press room and start, you know, as best they can Digesting going through them. it. Remember when, yeah, exactly. when Bush v. Gore came out? And I'm not being critical of the reporters. So uh, that decision comes out, and so many people are reading this and that, and they all got it wrong. Well, it's very hard. I remember uh, the, the first one I ever saw up close like that was it was the Webster abortion decision. I want to say this was 89 or 90. I can't remember exactly when it went until about July the 4th. And we were all out there a very hot day. And a woman named Rita Braver was working for CBS at the time. I know. The I court. actually like Rita Braver. She actually yeah, so did Rita grabbed the uh, grabbed the ruling and ran all the way from the press room out the door and out on the front of the plaza where then Dan Rather was broadcasting live from. Right. Rita gets there and is totally out of breath from having sprinted all yeah. the way there and i always remember that rather just sort of stood there and vamped for about a minute and a half while she caught her breath and then went through it uh, I, i'll say this right now sean as a reporter i'm no legal expert but i find reporting quickly on supreme court decisions dangerous to be the biggest thing that i worry about uh, that it, of my job it just uh, it keeps you up at night it, well it's just I, I learned a long time ago take your time you uh, don't need to be first jamie We'd forgive you if you got it wrong. No, that's I've, we watched what happened after what was done the health law a few years ago when people got it wrong. It's yeah. True, I'm telling you, I would forgive you if it was done. You know, you know. Yeah, you, but it's just it's it's it's, it's it can be very this sounds complicated. traumatizing for you. This sounds like this keeps you up at night. No, it's just something that you just <laughs> you you just should know it. Why yeah. don't you just tell me to shut up because I'm so annoying? Cause no, no, it's a, I, I think it's a it's an interesting question because if you've never read a Supreme Court ruling. You wouldn't uh, realize just how, it's very how convoluted it can be to figure it out. Jamie Dupree in Washington. Thank you, sir. See you, Sean. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. When we come back, uh, the president's ridiculous comments. They still don't have a complete strategy on ISIS. Wow. That's almost breathtaking. What an admission. We'll get to that. And also, we have these police incidents, one in Texas and one at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. And... Are people feeling emboldened in confronting cops? It seems that way. We'll continue.
Sean Hannity. Dedicated to finding the truth and upholding conservative values. And and I, I have every confidence that, that Sean is going to be doing a great job. Uh, and so people should feel some confidence about that. This is the Sean Hannity Show. News 95.5 and AM 750. WSB.